Last week, the truth was delivered by the Holy Spirit. It was received by your spirit who made an appeal to your emotions to stir in you a need, to move you and compel you to stand and ask for that prayer. So the Holy Spirit gave it. Your spirit received it. And by that spirit, that spirit made an appeal to your emotions so that you would respond, stand, and and ask for prayer. This week, I need for the Holy Spirit, again, to deliver the truth. I need for your spirit to receive the truth. But this time, instead of your spirit making an appeal to your emotions, I need for that spirit to make an appeal to your mind. This is a message I need for you to get mentally. I need for you to grasp it. And I would even tell you this morning that this is one of these messages that is urgent. You may not see it. I hope you do. I hope that I can paint such a picture that you will be able to recognize the difference that that the Lord has placed on my heart. This is an urgent message because the strange reality is that the church has become powerless almost in the reality of people's lives. The reason that this place isn't flooded this morning with people is because many people who used to come or have never come don't believe that there's anything different going on in here that's going on where they're at right now. Sitting in front of a TV, on the golf course, at work, wherever they happen to be, they don't believe that anything is happening any differently in here or any other church than where they are. Well, I want to tell you this morning, by my heart and by the reality of the Holy Spirit, what happens here this morning, though it can happen anywhere, I want to tell you this morning with the promise and with consistency in obedience to what God has given, God has come this morning by the work of the Holy Spirit to transform, change, and deliver lives. I promise you that there's something different going on this morning because Jesus has said, I promise if you'll gather together in my name, I'll be here. And the difference that you need for me to make, I'll make. If you need hope, I'll I'll be that hope. If you need a promise, I will assure you of that promise. If you need faith, I've given it in abundance. If you need peace, I will establish it in you. I want to tell you this morning, whatever your need is, Jesus is big enough. And he's come prepared to deal with it. Again, I want to do my best to draw a picture with words and only words because there will be so many who will hear this recording. I can't bring my flip chart in here and draw. I can't use a PowerPoint presentation because I don't don't have the ability yet to send that PowerPoint presentation with the sermon. So I need to be able by the work of the Holy Spirit to paint this picture with words. First to do this, to strengthen and stabilize everyone who stood last week. I need for you to know something about what happened to you last week. I don't want you to misunderstand what happened when you stood and someone prayed for you. I want you to know what happened. But especially this morning, every one of us sit here as ministers. I've shared with you many times the revelation that God gave me six years ago now of us being an emergency room. And what that meant and what would change if we said yes to that call. And I want to tell you, many things have changed. He sends us very broken-hearted people who need urgent attention. And we've seen lives transformed one after the other. We've, we've, we have seen that happen. But the reality of an emergency room like us, and I, I, I share this again with the strange fi- place to find theology, but in the movie Patch Adams, 
He's before the board of examiners trying to give an explanation for this clinic that he has opened, and probably illegally. And they ask him about who are the doctors and who are the patients that come there. And I loved his answer because he says, we are all doctors and we are all patients. I want to tell you sitting here this morning, every one of us come here by some measure as a patient needing what God's going to deliver this morning. But we also come as doctors. We also come as ministers, as physicians, having within us the power of God to touch someone, to love someone, to hold someone, to embrace someone, and let the medicinal power of the Holy Spirit flow freely into someone else's life. Every one of us, yes, patients, coming in need, but also coming as doctors, recognizing that I have the authority and the power to be able to release goodness into someone else's life because the Holy Spirit resides in me. Well, I want to appeal this morning to the doctor side. I want you to know this. This is something that as a doctor, you need to know so that you can heal, minister, treat other people who are around you. And again, our effectiveness hangs on this teaching. Go with me, if you would, to the book of... John chapter 16. I'm going to begin reading with verse 25 but I'm, because it's such a great passage, but I'm going to focus on one verse when I get to it. John chapter 16, verse 25. This precedes his prayer. He's told us he's going away. He's made that announcement to his disciples, and, but in that announcement, he said, the comforter, the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost is going to come in my place so that You can continue to do what I have started. The Holy Spirit that was in Jesus has now been delivered to us so that we could continue to do what he started and, as he said, do even greater things. John chapter 16, beginning with verse 25. These things have I spoken to you in Proverbs. But the time comes when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day, when I show you plainly, at that day, you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. He's saying there's going to be a day when you you won't come to me. You won't come to me and say, would you pray for me? Would you touch me? Would you heal me? He's saying that, that day is coming to an end. Because what God has been doing through me, because you believe in me, because you trust me, because you know how I do what I do, then what I have done, you're going to be able to do. You won't need to come to me and say, pray for for me, because you're going to have the same access to the Father that I have had by the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 29, his disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speak no proverbs. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and need not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou comest forth from God. So they're saying, we're already there. We're at that point. The point that you're saying will come in the future, we're there right now. Verse 31, Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour comes, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world 
you shall have trouble or tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is a beautiful passage, again, at the end of, of Jesus telling them that I'm going away. He's very near his crucifixion. So he's teaching them urgent things in this final hour. And the key word that I want us to focus on this morning, in, ver- in that last verse, is the word overcome. I have overcome the world. So what is so special? What is so unique about this word that I would raise it to the level of urgent, to the point of saying that the reason churches are failing today is because they don't have the understanding of of what is being spoken in this phrase. The Christian world, I promise you, does not believe, nor do they teach the truth that's described in verse 33. They don't do it. Over the next few minutes, I'm going to show you why they don't and what's being done in its place. Our theology teaches us something radically different than what Jesus spoke in that phrase. Our practice is very different than what Jesus spoke. Here's what we do teach. And again, I'll do my best to to create this picture. Here's what we do teach. We teach that our tragedy or our personal conflict or the hurt that we suffered yesterday or even years ago, as we deal with so many that were done many years ago, It's something that we have to overcome. We clearly teach that. Yep, we have to overcome it. However, we say that word overcome, not at all meaning what we just said. What we teach and encourage is that the person sitting or standing in front of us learns to cope or adjust to the situation or the brokenness. Not to overcome it. We teach them to adjust to it. And I want to tell you that is far different than the reality of overcoming. We use the word overcome, and then we teach them to adjust. How do I know it? Because it's marked by us as Christians giving people good advice or reasonable encouragement. Randy, what do you mean? If someone is crippled and I give them a crutch, what have I done? I've helped them adjust or cope to what's going on in their life. If I give a thirsty man a cup, I have helped him to adjust or adapt to the reality of him being thirsty. If I give a lame man or a blind man a cane, what have I done? I've allowed them to adjust. So I give them good advice and reasonable encouragement so that they can actually every day deal with what happened to them, cope with what happened to them. And this is the way it unfolds. If every year of your life was a chapter, so we begin over here at chapter one, at your birth, and the first years of your life, and they're happy, and you're loved and taken care of, in about, verse, in about chapter eight, some trauma comes into your life. Some hurt happens in your life. It could have been at age five, it could have been at age 20, but there's this moment when this attack, this hurt, now leaves this huge scar on your life. The Christian world comes alongside you and gives you good advice and they give you reasonable encouragement so that you can actually live. And so now you're sitting out here at 40, you're married, you have a spouse, you have kids, you have a home, and you have learned to cope and you've learned to deal with what happened to you at age eight. And the Christian world calls that a success. And all they have offered you are means of coping and means of adjusting to a problem that is still absolutely there. 
the walls that you built because of that hurt, the barriers that you put around yourself so that you wouldn't be hurt again. All of those things that you did to control the pain back then, I want to tell you, are still very much in your life today at age 40. You've just adjusted. Those things that you learned to do to manipulate others so that you could actually protect your heart. I promise you at age 40, that manipulation and the control that we see in adults is a direct evidence that they have adjusted to the problem that occurred years ago, but they have absolutely never overcome it. When we watch somebody come into the reality of this and for the first time in their life, they're able to live free and to actually overcome something, I want to tell you, you recognize quickly that radical difference. But the Christian world has taught us to adjust because we're not there bold enough, confident enough, or have a faith in God enough that if I actually promise someone that they can actually live a life that is absolutely free, that God won't come through. So we offer good advice and reasonable encouragement and hope that they adjust. And we call them out here having a fairly good life. We call that success. When in reality, the old event, the old hurt's still there. The scars are still evident. And there's no freedom at all. What did Jesus actually mean? What was he telling them? Here's what Jesus taught. Here's the difference. Someone has an encounter with Jesus. We don't see an adjusted life the first thing that's evident is we see a transformed life. We see him overcome the situation or the issue that was in front of him. And I promise you, read the scriptures, look at the stories. You'll find this to be absolutely true. I never find Jesus giving somebody advice. I don't see him giving them pats on the back, saying, well, just hang in there, buddy. You'll pass this. It'll, you know, it'll be behind you. There wasn't a single malady. There wasn't sing- a single issue that after someone had an encounter with Jesus, the life in front of them was lived out as if that situation had never occurred. Completely erased, completely removed, so now they look back at it as a memory and no adjustment. There is no crutch. There is no cane. There is no cup. Because this is illustrated. Here you are in chapter 1 and you're born. And for the next 38 years, your life is on, is on a mat that's about a three-by-three three square, and you're holding out a cup, begging for your income that day. I want to tell you, at age 38, when they had an encounter with Jesus, and he got up off that mat because he was no longer lame, he was no longer a beggar, he didn't live the rest of his life adjusted to what had happened to him in that prior 38 years. And how strange that would have looked. He wasn't an adjuster, he's an overcomer. And the reason I want this to just penetrate this morning is because as ministers, as doctors, we keep people give, giving people good advice. We keep giving people reasonable encouragement. And I can always tell the difference, and so can you. Because when someone is truly transformed, we're not going to give advice, and we're not going to give encouragement. Strangely, you'll begin to hear the words revelation and you'll begin to hear the words prophecy because there is something brand new starting in that person's life. We're not people of advice, we're people of revelation. I don't want to tell somebody what my advice is, I want to tell them what God said about them. I want to speak a prophetic truth over their life. I want to connect their present situation to the future that God has established. I want to tell you, I don't want anybody to live adjusted to that old herd anymore. I want them to overcome it so that they can totally, absolutely, and 100% be free and walk in it every day. It would have been totally odd 
for Jesus to hand someone a crutch when they were crippled. We can't even imagine that. Even when he offered her this woman water, he didn't reach in and get water. He said, I'm the water. You drink of me. You'll never thirst again. I want to tell you, we have been remarkably good at helping people adjust and totally awful at watching people do what's taught in this scripture. I've overcome the world. I didn't adjust to it. Jesus didn't adjust to the world. That would have been a strange verse. Be of good cheer. I've adjusted to the world. How strange that would have been sounded coming off Jesus' lips. He didn't say, I adjusted. I've overcome. He didn't say, I, learned, I didn't learn to cope with the world. I've overcome it. You look up that word and see what it means. It means victory carried time and time and time again. So the question this morning for you personally as a, as a patient, are you adjusting to your circumstance, to the situation you face? Or can you hold that banner above your head and say, by the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, I am an overcomer. I will not adjust my life to the malady I face or the hurt that, that I once experienced because from this day forward, I will walk free. I will not be crippled by the bad news I got yesterday. I will not be held back by the fact that I don't have the strength to do what I used to do because God has, has set me, has established me as an overcomer. But there's a good reason why as a physician we don't offer that. Because we feel like we put ourselves on the line. I want to tell you, I don't, put my, I don't ever put myself on the line. I put God on the line. And he made a promise to me and to you every single time that we will find him faithful. Be of good cheer. The world's going to offer you trouble. Be of good cheer. It's okay. That trouble's a fact. I, could, I, I imagine if I ask you right now, if you have a show of hands of somebody who had trouble in here, I imagine 90 plus percent would say, maybe it might be more than that, would say, yeah, I'm on that list. I've got some of that trouble. We'll be of good cheer. That's perfectly okay. God's bigger than your trouble. I've overcome it. I didn't adjust to it. I watch, and you, you see it too, how Christian brothers and sisters have come into this place for years and years and years carrying the old hurt. Or maybe it was just a hurt that started yesterday instead of years ago. But we carry it and we carry it and we carry it. But we're still up and breathing. We still go to work. We still do the things that we do. Why? Because we adjusted to it. We just adjusted. We cope. We learn to live around it. It's not what he's offering. I've overcome. You don't have to adjust anymore. You've overcome it. For those of you who stood last week and someone came and prayed for you, I want to tell you what happened to you last week. In that prayer, if you were willing to receive it, what happened? Was there was a total transformation so that you don't have to walk anymore under the old hurt free. It's amazing to actually be able to begin a new day and say, I don't have to today feel the bitterness or the anger, the resentment or anything that had defined my life for so long. I'm free. This morning, if you've adjusted, it'd be a great day to become an overcomer. As you're sitting here as a doctor this morning, knowing that someone's going to come to you, and what are you going to offer them? Are you going to offer them good advice and encouragement? And I want to tell you, I'll, I'll be very careful. There's great times to give someone good advice. Sometimes you have to help them through the things that's happening in the moment so that you can actually minister to them the things of freedom. Sometimes the good advice is necessary first. Just don't let that be the remedy. 
Don't let that be all that you offer. The good advice and the encouragement are all perfect for a moment. Just make sure that you offer them the opportunity to overcome as you minister.